Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Nerd Nation Radio presents... We've Got Issues! A comprehensive look at this week's comic books. again with another Nerd Nation Radio We've Got Issues, Volume 2, Number 4. Books from the week of January 23rd are what we're going to be talking about. It's me, and here's Gene. Hello. Hello. What's on your pull list? Uh, Books and an occasional action figure. (laughs) Anyway, (coughs) I had to cough real quick. Anyway, um, Jack would be upset. I'm going to uh we're going to talk about comics today. And it was a it was a okay week uh, in Gene's opinion and in mine not so much. Um the good was really good, the bad was really bad. Uh my list of books that I specifically wanted to discuss is smaller I think than it's ever been. Yeah. It well it was also kind of a small week too, but which has been weird. Yeah. Two weeks in a row of a relatively small week. Uh I think next week might be as well. It's a fifth week. Next week, there are five Wednesdays in January, so I guess maybe they're spreading it out, so we're getting less stuff every week recently. Yeah, it's actually very strange that it's a, that this is not a fifth week, because there are some books that came out from Marvel that would indicate a fifth week event, but clearly not so. Right. We will be discussing Marvel's uh, 80th anniversary. They've been putting out some special books and stuff. There are two of them that came out this week. We're going to save those for later on, um, which is fun. I think these might be one-shots. I, mean, I think Marvel Comics Presents, yes. I think, might be a, a kind of a, a mini-series or something, but these are one-shots. Um, I, think, I think Marvel Presents might be an ongoing. I hope so. I think. Me too. And the one-shots were, were both one-shots, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but let's dive right in with DC Comics. We're going to take some uh, rapid fire here. And uh, then we'll go back and talk about a few other books that we want to talk about at length. Uh, starting with American Carnage, number three, written by Brian Hill, with art by Leandro Fernando. Uh, Fernandez, sorry, who's really good. I really actually like the art a lot. Um, he did uh, Queen and Country a while back, uh, years ago, and I really yeah. like his stuff. Um, it's good. It's a good Vertigo book, a uh, good crime drama. I'm actually sort of enjoying it, but I, it's not like completely blowing me away no pun intended i gave it a two yeah i gave it a three i I don't typically give bad ratings to crime stuff so i like it so much but this isn't really doing it for me either uh that brings us to cover by brian michael bendis and david mack about a comic book writer artist who is like undercover with the cia um or or he's helping the cia i don't know 
I don't care. I give it a one. I, I'm not enjoying this. I like David Mack's art, and that's it. Yeah, I'll let that stand. Okay. That brings us to Curse of the Brimstone Annual Number One. Like it needs an annual. Uh, Justin <laughs> Jordan, Mike Perkins, who's great, Dennis Cohen, and Neil Edwards did the art. Um, it had John Constantine and Swamp Thing showing up and teaming up with Brimstone. Uh, the only reason I gave it a two is because of Constantine and Swamp Thing, and I thought Justin Jordan did a decent job writing them. Um, beyond that, I didn't care too much, I, so I gave it a two. Yeah, it takes a lot for me not to like a book drawn by Dennis Cohen. Um, I gave it a one. Uh, Damage, number 13, Robert Venditti, Aaron Lepresti are still trucking on with that book. It's the Hulk of the DC Universe. He fights Batman, and they get dumped on Monster Island or something. I don't care. This book is getting canceled. I'm done with it. I gave it a one. Uh-huh. Lucifer, number four, came out. Dan Waters wrote it. Sebastian and Max Fiumara drew it. Um, it's a lot of stuff going on all at once, and I'm not sure how it all... It's, I mean, I know how it kind of connects, but I don't know. I don't know if I care why it connects. It's a, it's a whole lot of just nonsense. I want more, a little more of a linear story. Uh with at least one of these Sandman books. Come on. Books of Magic maybe is linear, but, like, it just blows. Uh, I gave Lucifer a two. I, I gave it a one. I wasn't a huge fan of the old series, but it was okay. This one just has nothing going for it. I, I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan of the old series, but I liked it. I enjoyed it. This I'm, mm. I'm not enjoying it much. Uh, Naomi, Agreed. number one, came out from Brian Michael Bendis, David F. Walker, who I guess co-wrote it, and Jamal Campbell uh, drew it. Uh, a 12-year-old, well, no, I shouldn't say 12-year-old, a teenage girl uh, who was adopted and has lived in this town. Um, she, Superman and Mongol fight in, into this, like, very pretty rural, I guess, kind of out of the out of the area town, I think in Oregon. And uh, she begins to think that maybe she's special because there was an incident years ago and and uh that's when she, the same day that she was adopted or came to or, or whatever the town i don't know i'm, I'm not i'm it was okay but I, I still give it a two yeah not enough happens for me to really give it any kind of good rating i give it a two yeah pearl number six again from brian michael bendis and michael gatos came out uh sort of a crime yakuza hit woman hey she's a tattoo artist too great wow I gave it a one. I really didn't care. I didn't enjoy that book so much. Too much Bendis. One. And then Wild Storm, <laughs> number 19. Warren Ellis wrote it. John Davis Hunt drew it. It's this new revisioned uh, Wild Storm universe that kind of just slowly paced Ellis stuff. It's Some of it's been okay. Some of it's been bad. This issue is bad. It was a one. The best thing about the Wildstorm books were the offbeat books like Sleeper and, and stuff like that, and this is nothing like that. No, it's very different. Uh, now we go back and we talk about some other stuff that uh, especially Gene wanted to talk about. Aquaman, number 44, written by Kelly Sue DeConnick, with art by Robson Roca. Gene, take it away, because I'm sure you're more positive okay. than I were. Oh, sort of. Um, if I were to judge just based on the story... It'd be an absolute one, because I've read this story a million times. A guy gets lost, he gets off his path, he has to find his way back. It's boring as, as crap. The reason that I still gave it a 3.5, this, without a doubt, 
this book had the most beautiful art of any book that came out this week, bar none. Wow. It was freaking gorgeous. I loved it. Where was this, this dude, and I wrote it down, Robson Roca or Roca? Yeah. Um, I want to go look for more of his stuff because, to me, it's it's so beautiful. And maybe it's the inker, I don't know, but it's just gorgeous art. Okay. Yeah, I thought it looked good. I I didn't. I was not nearly as uh, impressed. I mean, it's okay, but the story ruined yeah. it for me because you're right. It is the same old. Hey, he has amnesia. He washed up on shore. We don't know who he is, right? Yeah, the amount of books that have done that exact story is just is it staggering. Well, the amount of that story being done everywhere, not just in comics, but like everywhere. Oh yeah, that's, that's yeah. There are entire TV shows about it. Uh, then we go to Batman number 63 by Tom King with art by Michael Jonan. Jonan? I'm not sure how you pronounce it, but I wish I did because he does fantastic stuff. Uh, Batman's continuing to have nightmares. This time John Constantine is maybe there or maybe just a figment of his imagination. I don't know. I, I was really confused with this issue for a minute. Um, I like everything King and, and especially Jonan or Janin has been doing. I like his art a lot and his art sort of was the only thing that kept me going in this issue because I didn't, yeah. I, I kind of couldn't care what was going on. I wasn't even sure. Uh, I gave it a two. Here's the thing. I mentioned this because I wanted to talk about it and I usually focus right. on things I like, but I'm going to say it right now. Um, Tom King does this all the time of this crap where it's like, it's nonlinear. It's not really happening. And you know what? Just tell me a goddamn story. Stop with this crap. You know, I, I'm just so sick of it. He does it in, like, five different books. And I, I just had enough of Tom King. Seriously, I'm done. One. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I, beg, I beg you and I implore you, okay? And I know, I know the Batman stuff. I, I've suggested reading a few different things of his. Yes. Uh, but I implore you to go read Sheriff of Babylon, which was a Vertigo book Tom okay. King wrote. Uh, fantastic book. And, and pretty straightforward. Like, it's, it's not All a right. lot of, like, goofiness. Yeah, I'll try. I'm just, I don't know. I have a very low tolerance for, like, dream sequences and stuff that may not be happening. I don't know. I'm a simple guy. I like a story that starts and ends. And Tom King, the other day on Twitter, I, as, as I've become Mr. Twitter guy, uh, Tom King, the other day on Twitter, uh, seemed to like the idea someone proposed to him about a Bouncing Boy 12-issue uh, maxi series, and uh, was throwing his <laughs> idea out there. Of a guy who whose power is to continuously bounce, uh, and also is married to a woman who could split into two, but used to be able to split into three, and how he deals with life after that. Um, so we'll see. Uh, that, that sounds brings freaking us, fantastic. <laughs> that brings us to Freedom Fighters number two. Robert Venditti wrote it. Eddie Barrow drew it, and here's where I think there was some great art. This book was fantastic looking. The story's yeah, it okay. Was. It's an alternate like history, alternate uh, reality uh, where the Nazis have taken over and have ruled. It's basically Earth X or whatever. Um, and the the new team of freedom fighters is out there fighting and doing their thing. I think Eddie Barrow's art is fantastic. It's great, and Venditti's writing is not bad. It's just not the freedom fighters I'm used to. So I'm a little particular. I'll admit. I still gave it a three. Sure. Um, I. Earth X, I think, is a concept that started with Freedom Fighters number one. I'm almost certain. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm glad they're there. Here's the thing about this book that I like. It would have been very, very easy 
to make this an allegory for current political things and blah, blah, blah. But they didn't go that route. They just told a good story about a team punching a Nazi robot. And that's all right. Um, and that's enough for me to give it a three. Uh, the human bomb took off his, his helmet and talked to a kid. I, I don't remember the human bomb being able to take off his, his hazmat suit. But I guess this one can. Right, yeah, well, yeah, it's a different, totally different one. Plus, we get Nazi Plastic Man. So, there you go. Yeah, you know, what disappoints me a little bit is he's on the cover, and then he's in the last panel of the book. I was like, oh, well, man, he was in, I would like to see him. He was in the first issue. He was in the previous issue. Right. Yeah, I remember. But he shouldn't be on the uh, cover. That, he was on a, only on the last page. I agree. What did you end up giving it? Uh, three. All right. Well, that brings us to Justice League 16, written by Scott Snyder and James the IV, with art by Jim Chang and Steven Segovia. The art's nice in this book. I don't know why how, how Jim Chang... I was I was looking forward to him doing Justice League, and then he's barely done anything. He did, like, one issue, and then he does little... A couple pages here, a couple pages there. Um, yeah, I don't like that. I have... Yeah, I don't like that. Uh, they, the, the one little team is fighting on Thanagar. Uh, they write everything there, finding out that the Savage Hawkman doesn't exist, but Shiera does. Um, Starman then shows up with the, uh, Trinity team of Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, and sort of, uh, transplants some of Shiera's memories into, uh, what's her name? Kendra. Uh, yeah. who is Hawkwoman. Um, then like he's like he he says that he's making things right so maybe this is what's going on and they're heading to the source wall to fix it um we'll see i don't know i don't i don't know if i have high hopes gene what do you want to say about this i i really like the, the this series in general has been doing some deep diving into the mythologies of different characters and i didn't always like that um but what I really like in this story is you go to Thanagar, and you're like, oh, okay, this is going to be primarily a Hawk story, which I guess it kind of is. But there's also some really neat John Jones stuff going on in there. Yeah, there was. Uh, and, I, and I like that. And some good John Stewart stuff. Uh, I, I love like his interaction with the core in this issue, and especially Kilowog, was really cool. Uh, and mm-hmm. I like that, that Green Lantern that seems to be made of fire. That's, that's a cool visual, by the way. Yeah. Um, I, do have, I do have a nitpick. No, I like this book. I'm gonna say that right now, and I gave it a three. Um, okay. But I have a huge, a huge nitpick. Um, I love the deep dive, as I said, but there's a major like misuse of a character in the book. Um, okay. One of the things they mention is that Krona um, of of Maltus hid the secret of this symbol because he knew the power that it that it held. Right. Um, Krona, Kr- the first time you see Krona, the Guardians tell him, "Hey, no, don't." Don't read. Don't go look at these like the birth of the universe because like bad stuff could happen, and like mm-hmm. a page later he's going to look at the hands and he creates the multiverse or whatever. So um, he doesn't care about that kind of crap. He would immediately seek out the, the meaning behind the symbol. That's a small thing, but it's just something that bothered me. Well, maybe the story will unfurl a little more as time goes on. Maybe they'll run into the guy. Who knows? Yeah, maybe that'd be cool. Uh, what did you give it? A three. Okay. I was a little more negative on it, but I'll let that three stand. I had no problem with that. Uh, mostly because I'm trying to brace ourselves for my, my review of this book, which I won't I, I, I won't review. Shazam number two by <laughs> Jeff John with art by Marco Santucci with a fantastically timed Christmas cover on it, by the way. Only a month late. 
uh, Santa Claus and, and Shazam. Um, Gene, go ahead. Okay, here's the thing. I know Kurt has a real problem with this book. He really dislikes it. He doesn't like the change in the continuity and all these kids running around. But I think I figured out that they're going for like a maybe a Stranger Things vibe, and I, and I get that. I understand it, even though they've done that thing with the kids way before that. But that, in this current series, it looks like that's what they're aiming for. I don't mind it so much. I like the idea of these seven lands that these kids are obviously going to be exploring in, in, in the issues to come. Um, and the most important part about this book is one panel where you find out Dr. Savannah has Mr. Mind inside of his ear, controlling mm. what he does. Uh, that makes me happy. That makes me smile. And Mr. Mind's here, and everything's going to be all right. I gave no. him a three. All right. Here's what could happen. I'll see if I can this right so that we don't we're, we're not being bad boys uh i wrote down two words to describe this book actually i wrote down three words excuse me to describe this book fuck you dc <laughs> that's my word there you go i managed to do it holy today. crap you did the wish just on time I was, i'm very impressed yeah i was planning that i was practicing that uh let's, let's go on to the next book Let's go to the next book before I, I rate this one, because if, if I could give something a zero, I would. If, if um, Teen Titans, number 26. Uh, Adam Glass wrote it. Bernard Chang drew it. Uh, the team heads to the Batcave to uh, get some more uh, information on Jason Todd, because Damien realizes that Jason may have been screwing him over. Um, I, I don't know if I like that whole concept and idea, but I'm, I'm rolling with it. There was some really great Alfred stuff in this issue between Damien and Alfred. I thought that was really fun. Um, Gene, go ahead. I think Damien jumping to conclusions kind of works for me, especially because I know it's going to be resolved. Um, and, and they promise a, a Robin versus Red Hood battle in uh, Teen Titans Annual coming up, uh, I guess, next month or whatever. And that right. could be really fun. I like the idea of that. I like, uh, And this has kind of been done before, too, but one of the Robins breaking into the Batcave uh, trying to do some naughty stuff, and I like that the whole team's there, and there's a Batman robot that exists just for such an occasion. I kind of, I kind of like that. Um, I, I dug the issue; it's fun. I really do like these characters. I'm even beginning to like the characters like Jin and um, oh, that blue kid. Roundout. I keep forgetting his name. Roundout. Thank you. Yes, yeah, Roundup. I like him a lot. I like Jin. I'm even liking this like daughter of Lobo, and I didn't think I was going to. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I, I dig it, and I, I don't like Damien. Damien, as a rule, is not a character I really enjoy reading about. Um, but this is neat. I like when, when there's family stuff, when Damien's interacting with other Robins. And I still insist there should be a book with all five Robins. I don't know why that hasn't happened yet. That was right. one of the big rumors when New, when New 52 was announced, that there was going to be a book called Robins, and that didn't happen. I'd love to see it, and I look forward to the annual quite a bit. I, really, I was really generous with this book this week. I gave it a four. Adam Glass really knows how to tell a story and do some cool character stuff. Yeah, I was I was only slightly less impressed. I gave it a three, and I enjoyed it too. I'll, I'll let that four can stand. I, I have no problem with that. Uh, Round Roundhouse and, and their reaction to the Batman robot was pretty funny because they think it's actually Batman, and they kind of all freak out. Um, <laughs> it, it, it was a fun book. It was enjoyable, and I did like the Alfred and Damien stuff. I, anything Alfred, I'm usually down for, so... Yes. And that brings us to the end of DC. Now we jump over to Marvel Comics, and we're going to rapid fire. How many books are we going to rapid fire? We're going to rapid fire three books, and then we're going to talk about everything else. 
Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's okay. No big deal. Uh, here's a book, though. Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, number 39, written by Brandon Montclair with art by Natasha Bustos. Uh, Moon Girl is still, still dealing with having bad dreams. Why? Because she enters the nightmare realm and she deals with a kid who's dressed like a monster called Bad Dream. And uh, Nightmare shows up, which is fun. I really enjoyed it. Yes. Not only does Nightmare show up this issue, but Sleepwalker and Doctor Strange also show up. It's a fun book. I, I, I plead for people to have an open mind and go read Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. It, it is a fantastically fun book. I gave this issue a four. Uh, Kurt made me read this book, um, the series in general, and I'm so glad that he did. Uh, especially this issue, because I will tell you, and I don't know why, but Nightmare is one of my very favorite villains. Yes, I know. Uh, and I'm so happy to see it. And Bad Dream, I mean, come on, that's amazing. That's terrific. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so I'm in for the duration of this book. I'm not sure how long it's going to last. I think this is the current Spider-Girl of the Marvel Universe, where I think it's probably holding on because of the critical acclaim. Yeah. But hopefully it lasts for a while. We've got 34 issues out of it. So far, so good. 39. This is 39, baby. 39, sorry. Well, my, my nine looks terrible on here. Sorry. <laughs> and that brings us to Shuri, number four, written by Nanetti Okorafor. I'm going to butcher your name. I wish I could get it right. Nanetti Okorafor. Uh, and Leonardo Romero drew it. Um, it's kind of neat. Shuri and Storm and Okoya, or whatever her name is, Okoya, the, the leader of the Dora Malage, they go out and they're fighting some giant grasshoppers from space by the end of the book. Uh, it's wordy, so if you're, you've got a problem with that, you might want to avoid this book, but it's worth it in the end. I gave it a two only because this issue was a lot of like, um, kind of fluff in a way, but it's building to something. Uh, it's worth checking out, I would say. Gene? It's, it's good. There's, uh, yeah, I, I pretty much agree with what you said. There's a lot of exposition in the issue, and that's yeah. fine. Hopefully, it's leading to something. Um, I like Shuri a lot. Um, I think she's a great character. I'm, I'm glad that since the movie, they've been exploring who she is a little bit more, and uh, I'm glad she has a book of her own, even if it's only temporary. No, and that I brings guess, us. To I guess Star- I got to go with a three. Oh, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, there you go. No, no problem. Uh, Star Wars, number 60, written by Kieran Gillen, with art by Angel and Zuetta. Uh, basically, Han, Leia, and Luke escape this planet, this backward planet, Hubin. We find out some more of the secrets of this planet. Uh, the, the man who ran it also helped uh, the Empire at one point, and they gave him a planet uh, for, because of his help. Um, I don't know if we got all the details there. I don't think we did this issue, but... Uh, the Scar Squadron showed up, which is a group of like specially trained uh, stormtroopers, including the main dude who uses a lightsaber to fight Luke. It, it's a really kind of good, fun book. Uh, the last few issues have been sort of slow. This issue was really kind of go, 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 go from the beginning. I liked it a lot. I gave it a three. Cool. Okay. I did not read this again because I'm terribly behind on the Star, Star Wars stuff, and if if uh, every company would just not publish books for like two weeks, I could cash up on Star Wars. Right. And that brings us back <laughs> to the beginning of Marvel. And uh, that brings us to Avengers number 13, written by Jason Aaron, with art by Andrea Sorrentino. This uh, gives us an entire issue focusing on the first Iron Fist, uh, Iron Fist BC, whatever. Um, I really, really, really kind of enjoyed this issue. Uh, Andrea Sorrentino's art fit. 
the story was just, I think, a very straightforward, solid story. It felt like the Conan stuff that Jason Aaron's writing uh, elsewhere. And um, at one point, uh, Iron Fist BC uh, turns into The Rock from WWE when she asks Mephisto his name and then said, it doesn't matter what your name is while he, when he starts to answer. Um, yes. But I liked it. Here, here's my thing. Well, what did you give it? I, I gave it a three. I, I couldn't give it more than that, but I liked it. Yeah, here, here's where I'm torn. This was a fantastic story. Um, it really was. I, I enjoyed it very much. It, it would have been awesome in an issue of freaking Iron Fist. Or maybe if Iron Fist were a member of the Avengers right now. But this is just a random thing. If Jason Aaron wants to write Marvel Comics Presents, it's right over there. You can go write it. But uh, if this is Avengers, give me some Avengers stuff, for God's sakes. You know, that's all I ask. And, and like I said, this was a great story. It just it, it, When I haven't seen the actual Avengers team that's in this book right now for like three issues, that's a problem. Yeah. Uh, can I throw an idea out there to Marvel? Either, yes. Either do... You remember when DC and Marvel used to do a series of annuals that were all sort of tied together by some sort of a theme? Uh, do yes. do like the origins of, of Marvel powers or something. So like you do the first Iron Fist, you do the original Avengers in an annual, you do like the the, the origins of the Phoenix Force. Then you can you can do all these stories and get them all out of your system, and and they're there. That's a really good idea. That's a really yeah. good idea. Um, here here's here's something too. Um, I don't know why DC never did a, their annuals themed around cupcakes. So that was a fantastic <laughs> story. They did gorillas at one point, which is fun. <laughs> I remember. What did, what did you give this book? Uh, hold on, let me look at my notes here. I gave it a, a two and a half. I can't do above that because this is not a this is not an Iron Fist right. book. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's why I Sorry. gave it a three. I, I, I wanted to give it more. I would have given it more had it been like a one-shot or something. I would have given it more. Sure. But this this yeah. took the place of, of Avengers, and I, I'm not crazy about that. Right. Uh, let's either. jump ahead to Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, number two, by Tom Taylor and Juan Cabal. Uh, Spidey's running around fighting people, and then it looks like uh, it's a bunch of aliens and stuff. But the high point of this issue uh, is when Spidey brings these two young alien kids to his, his home, uh, which in the previous issue he had to sneak past uh, Boomerang, who's wearing Peter's underwear and playing video games. Um, and then Spidey has to call on Johnny Storm to come help him watch the kids. Uh, the Johnny stuff yeah. is fantastic, especially because Johnny immediately asks, are these kids my kids? And uh, Spider-Man... <laughs> Peter decides to like shelve that until later and they'll have that discussion. Um, it was a good book, man. It's really funny. It, it, it's a kind of a, I think it's a dumb story. Like I'm not crazy about these kids and the alien stuff. I, I, I wish for a little something, a little more Spider-Man ish, but I yeah. think all the character stuff is fantastic. I gave it a three. Yeah. Um, I have a question for you and, and I, I tried looking this up online and I, and I hit dead ends everywhere I looked. The name of this woman who has these kids, Leilani, sounds very familiar to me, um, right. and I don't know from where. Um, and I looked it up, hoping that maybe she was in Marvel. The first thing I thought that it was she was the uh, the woman that Colossus fell in love with in Secret Wars, but it wasn't her. That was Zaji or something. Um, right. But I don't know who that is, Leilani. I wonder if she's an existing Marvel character. Uh, I thought I maybe I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but uh, 
she wasn't the thing's girlfriend when he stayed stayed on the Secret Wars planet, was she? No, I don't think. No, I mean the name no, is familiar. It's it's kind yeah. of even even though that is a, a that is a name that people use in real life. Um, it is a name that gets you know it's it's sort of a fantasy sounding name, so like it gets used a lot. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm sure that's it. Um, but the issue wasn't bad. Um, the biggest problem I had was that um, this woman, the rumor, mm-hmm. who strips down into her superhero clothes at the end of the issue, um, she looks a, a, an awful lot like Aunt May. It was really hard, like, telling the difference. Right. Uh, and I was kind of like, whoa, what's going on here? And then, then I kind of figured it out after a few minutes. But uh, it's neat. I don't know who the rumor is. I don't know if she's appeared previously somewhere. Uh, but I like the idea of this older superhero. That's kind. Of, that's kind of fun. Uh, we'll see where it goes and what's going on here. It, it sounds a little crazy, but I, I kind of like that. It's, it it seems to be a weird sci-fi story, but on a small level, you know, like something like I think Spidey would go through. I right. mean, not the yeah. not the normal thing for Spidey, but yeah, Boomerang in in Parker's underwear is where I thought you were going to say was the high point. I was going to laugh at you. Oh, absolutely. Um, but... well, yeah, he, he first re- he first reveals himself in the the first issue, which I thought was fantastic. Yes. In yeah. this issue, he just has to deal with the old woman uh, seeing him in his underwear. Um, <laughs> I like that she says um, he should enlist in some basic adult classes, adulting classes. <laughs> yeah. Right, because he doesn't even know how to dress, yeah. <laughs> I, I, the script is great. I love the Johnny Peter stuff. Um, I wish they those two would have a book together, like an Dude, ongoing I, book. I have, you know, I've been saying this since like we first met twenty years ago. I've been saying that there. Yes. Why is there not a Spider-Man and Johnny Storm buddy book? I just don't understand it. Uh huh. Exactly. And we could finally see the Bagman costume again. You know, it'd be fantastic. Ooh, soon to be in the Spider-Man PS4 uh, game. Yes, our engineer Jack was very excited to tell us that. Which, which I passed along to my oldest son, who is very excited now about that too. Um, nice. What what did you give this issue? I gave uh, three. All right. That brings us to the brand new Guardians of the Galaxy number one, written by Donnie Cates, with art by Jeff Shaw. Uh, the art was good. The story was good. The characters were good. And as much as I hate Cosmic Ghost Rider, I actually sort of okayed him in this book. I kind of liked him. Uh, the stuff with Better Ray Bill was cool. I'm happy to see him in a book. Uh, I like the new sort of Star-Lord and Groot, even though I'm not crazy about Groot, like, talking in a weird way. I kind of like the cute, like, I am Groot constantly, but okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but we get Moondragon, and we get Phyla Vell, uh, who seem to be from another reality, so they're not actually ours, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, we get a really oh, wait, cool really? theme. Yeah, during I the Infinity War thing that just went on. They got they well they're dead supposedly they died at some point, which I didn't catch. Yeah, I remember there was a series that had them in it, and I want to say it was, yeah, and they were like in in one of the stones maybe or some crap. I don't know what happened, but I thought it was I thought all I got reset. I'm not. No, sure. I, 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 I there Moon Dragon does make a reference that they're th- this this reality hero they're here the people of this reality are are screwy or something like that. So they're from a different reality, but I'm fine with that. They'll ignore that stuff after a while. Um, yeah. It, it was it was an enjoyable book, and I even like I said I even sort of started to like Cosmic Ghost Rider a tiny bit. Um, the stuff with Thanos, uh, Star Fox being there was a nice tease because Gene and I are huge Star Fox fans. 
Um, oh, yes. And then the Black Order shows up to steal Thanos' body back and take it to Hela, which is an interesting twist. Uh, Gene, what did you mm-hmm. think? Um, I I still had trouble with Cosmic Ghost Rider. Oh, I, I tried. Um, I, I feel that we, we have kind of have a duty to review number ones because, you know, we want to kind of let people know if it's worthwhile or not. And I think this book is. Um, here's why. There are characters in it that I really want to read in a book, again. Uh, Beta Ray Bill... Phyla and Moondragon. I love Moondragon, and I, I like Phyla from the uh, the the various books she was in. She was the Captain Marvel in the nineties, was it? I think she had uh, her own book for a very brief period of time. Maybe, but no, I don't, I'm trying to remember. I know she was when, when they introduced Genis. I know she was in that book uh, towards the end, uh, and then the Annihilation stuff. She really got bumped up and got like she was Quasar at one point, and then she became Captain Marvel too. Um, yeah, right, right, right. One of the many yeah. Captain Marvels. <laughs> oh, I like her. Uh, but yeah, I I like them. I like Moondragon and her as a couple a lot. That was something that happened, I think, during the Peter David run, but I'm not sure on Captain Marvel. Um, but they're they're I like the team a lot. Beta Ray Bill, obviously, I want to read more about. Um, I want to find out the mystery of Rocket Raccoon, why they don't talk about whatever happened to Rocket happened. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm in conditionally for now. I gave it a three though. I, I gave it a, it a 3.5. I thought the character stuff was funny. I, I, With a team book, you want good like dialogue and interaction amongst the team. I thought that's already started to happen. Um, I'm not yes. as big of a Bonnie Cates uh, super fan as, as, as other people are, but I, um, I liked it. I gave it a 3.5. I couldn't give it more than that, though. I'll, I'll tell you what. Next issue is a 4 if Star Fox, Star Fox continues to be a character in the book. Oh yeah, definitely. That will that will bump it up to a four, no matter what. And then that brings Starbucks. us to a book that I'm sure we're going to slobber all over because we do every time. Immortal Hulk number twelve by Al Ewing and Joe Bennett. Uh, Eric Wynn also helped out with some of the art. Um, man, it's Hulk and Hell dealing with everything going on, and then we find out at well at the end of the book that maybe everybody should really just be scared of the Hulk. Uh, and not so much hell. Um, yeah. Jeez. This was a whole lot of weirdness going on in this book. A lot of stuff about uh, um, Bruce Banner's dad, whose name escapes me all of a sudden, um, who's a character I really like. And I really love that one Peter David. I think it was like Hulk minus one or something. That that story was so good and stuck with me. Oh, where the father first appeared. It was actually... Um... It was one of the old school guys, um, and I can't remember who wrote that book. It actually wasn't Peter David. He, he, well, no, no, he's I'm, the, the only. I'm, hmm? I'm sorry. Well, no, but I'm saying that the Hulk minus one issue that David wrote, uh, just the oh, way okay. just all that all the stuff about his father and everything really was in, right. You yeah. know, it was like all compacted into this one issue, and it was really well done. Yeah, uh, David really picked up a nugget that was dropped, but never really ever ever followed up on. And I think it was an important one, and it definitely lives in this book. And I'll tell you, dude, the flashbacks to young Bruce and his dad were hard for me to read. Uh, it, like, yeah. his cruelty towards his son was really hard to get through. And that's a good thing. It's a compliment to Al Ewing, uh, just a fantastic writer. Um, I, you know, again, Kurt's right. We slobber over, all over this book. I'm telling you, if you're not reading this book, you're a friggin' idiot. Just go read it. It's so good. It's so layered and complex but it's still a good Hulk story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I give this issue a four. I, I didn't want to give it a perfect five because it's not a perfect issue, but it definitely deserves a four, in my opinion. Yeah, I went ahead and gave it a five. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not sure if any issue of this hasn't been a five for me. Right. Well, yeah, they're they're all up there. They're all they've all been spectacular. And Joe Bennett, let's stop for a minute. Joe Bennett's art, who's who he is the regular artist. His stuff is fantastic yes. as well and really propels the book. Um that brings us to Man Without Fear, number four, by Jed McKay and Paolo Villanelli. Uh the Kingpin shows up in this issue. And as much as I wasn't crazy about the last issue because it had the the new defenders in it, and even though I like all those characters to a point, um I wasn't crazy about them being there. This issue, on the other hand, deals with the Kingpin dealing with Matt Murdock, uh, speaking about some of the earliest sort of meetings and stuff like that. And one in particular uh, where Daredevil sort of, I, I, or no, Kingpin sort of possibly maybe first figured out kind of what's, you know, Daredevil's weakness and everything. Um, right. And then the tables kind of get turned on the Kingpin, which I thought was fantastic. Uh, and it maybe showed that Kingpin as full of fear. Uh, I love this issue. I gave it a four. I really, really enjoyed this. Actually, I gave it a four as well. Um, here's All the right. thing. I figured I figured something out. It's taken me a while to figure this out. But I like Daredevil quite a bit. He, he's one, you know, one of my favorite characters. I'd say he's definitely yeah. top twenty of all time, all characters, all 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 companies. But um, you know what I like a little bit more than Daredevil? The Kingpin. Like I really, really like the Kingpin a lot, and I love reading about him, especially when it's well done. Um, you know, starting with the Miller stuff and moving on up from there. Uh, I just really like him as a villain. I think he's he's awesome. Um, it's very seldom he goes down. I mean, when we go when he goes down, it's usually pretty hard, but it doesn't happen right. that often. Um, and I just love, I love him. He just he'll do anything to achieve his goals, and there's a tiny bit maybe in him that might have been good at one point. But that's been pretty much wiped out by the death of his wife, Vanessa. Yeah. Or right, what did you? Anyway, she, I gave it a four. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. That's right. And that brings us to Superior Spider-Man number two, written by Christos Gage, with art by Mike Hawthorne. Um, Superior Spider-Man is still, I believe, in France or something. He's over in Europe. Uh, he ends up fighting Terax, which is fantastic in a way, because I, I, I always forget how much I kind of like Terax. Um, yeah. He's a little lame, but I kind of like him. Uh, it, it's a good fight. Uh, he even calls upon his buddies Night Shift, who I am a much, I am a huge fan of Night Shift. He calls on them yeah. to help fight. Uh, Digger gets cut in half, and then they leave. They run away. They, they say, no, thank you, and they go home. And um, Digger's like, hey, guys, put me back together. <laughs> and then by the end of the book, we get something that is interesting, because I know it's going to be temporary. It's Cosmic Superior Spider-Man. Uh, this would be fun. <laughs> this is a good, fun book. I really think this is... I really didn't expect to like any of the Superior stuff too much, but I'm digging this book a lot. Um, I gave this issue a three. Yeah, I, I gave it a little higher than that. I gave it a four. Um, he, here's the thing. The fight's amazing. I think it's definitely... Uh, an attempt to get to give Ock a moment like Peter had way back in what Amazing Thirty One or Thirty Three, where he's trapped in it or all that all that uh, machinery. Because um, right. there's no there's no way he's beating Terax. He spends most of the issue getting the crap kicked out of him. I mean, to the point where he's probably almost dead. 
if um, if his ex-girlfriend hadn't stepped in, given him that machine in time, that would have been the end. Uh, that would have been it. But instead, we get treated to to cosmic superior Spider-Man, which I, right. I think is great. And I think the most interesting part of the next issue will be how does he give up this power and why exactly. would he want to? Yeah, yeah exactly. so that's gonna be a lot of fun. I mean, maybe it'll wear off or something. Who knows? But uh, I hope he has to take make the choice to give it up. That would be fun. Yeah, and here's here's a fun part. Usually every week I try to guess what Gene's book of the week will be, and that way I try to separate mine from his because sometimes we do have the same one, and I, I want to sort of spotlight other books too. Uh, but I have a feeling we might match this week because next up is Uncanny so. X-Men Annual number one, written by Ed Brisson and art by Carlos Gomez. This is a Cyclops centric book it, it focuses on everything about the guy and how he came back it's explained very quickly and easily um and then it just refocuses cyclops as well and sort of brings us the the, the guy we've been wanting for a long time uh, i know we're both big cyclops fans this is my book of the week gene uh this is my book of the week uh, without yeah. a doubt, and to, for me to say that about an issue of Uncanny X-Men, which I think has been one of the worst series of all time, um, but this annual, not so much. It fixes Cyclops, finally. We finally have the character we love again. He's back. And he, it's been so terrible. And and the way they do it organically, like making him making him make a choice between saving some mutants and saving like this just this guy. And the guy's an innocent, so he goes and saves the guy, and then he refocuses. He's like, yes, you know what? Everything I did, putting my race before the human race, it, it's all wrong. It's everything I've fought against in my life, and I'm going to go fix this. And to me, that, that's what I've been waiting for since Schism. Um, and he started treating Cyclops like a thug, and I hated that so much. And I've been out of the X-Men books pretty much since then. But guess what, baby? I'm back. They got rid of those stupid right. kids, and, and now they have Cyclops back how, how he should be. Yeah, I'm happy. Uh, my only my only caveat here is is uh, give Cyclops give, give him the costume that the kid Cyclops was wearing at the end there. Uh, I don't like that blue bodysuit thing, even though that was I guess designed maybe by John Cassidy when they did the uh, the Astonishing. I don't care. I don't yeah, like that suit. So. Yeah, give him give him that that like that white and black and light blue sort of number that the kid was wearing because that was a cool suit in my opinion. Uh, Cyclops needs a nice suit. Don't go back to the Jim Lee pockets, blue and yellow. No, um, even though that's iconic or whatever. Um, I could even live with X Factor suit with the 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 blue and the I, white. The blue and white. I like the yeah. X Factor suit. Uh, so although I, I am kind. Of, yeah, I'm always fond of costumes where like the hair sticking out and stuff. Um, yeah. At the top, you know, like Kid Flash. So maybe maybe the X Factor costume, but with the hair showing, that'd be cool. Maybe. That'd be fun. Anyway, that, that's 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 us yeah. being bitchy, right there. Yes, uh, but by far, uh, it's a book you have to read. Yeah, it fixes Cyclops very well, um, and, and and you know it doesn't explain everything because they're going to leave some things up, uh, but it explains enough. It explains most of it. Is the explanation kind of wonky and goofy and very comic booky? Yes, it's because you're reading a comic book, jerk off. So there you go. <laughs> Um, I, I just, I just hope is is Ed, this Ed Brisson guy, is he, um, is he the ongoing writer of X books from now on? Or uh, what? I think 
he's going to be writing some of them. Uh, but I, Matt Rosenberg, I believe, is writing the uh, the the Cyclops team book going forward. Man, that that sucks. I would love love Ed to be doing it. And by the no, way, no, no. Kurt, this is kind of, this is kind of a personal thing that probably the viewers wouldn't care about. But uh, Ed Brisman is going to be at the local Comic Con Revolution here next month. Oh, you can go and tell him how much you like to get your book signed by Ed Brisson. Yeah, I plan on it, man. And maybe we'll get him on the show. Uh, Matt Rosenberg, though, I have to say, I I have total faith in him after writing that astonishing run that he did. I have 100% faith in that guy. Yeah. Anyway. Matt's good. Matt Rosenberg's good. That brings us to the two one-shots, the 80th anniversary of Marvel one-shots we've gotten this week. Uh, the first one up was Crypt of Shadows, number one, by Al Ewing, and various other artists were in there doing stuff. Um, uh, a sort of a horror anthology that all the stories definitely tie together to a much larger story. I thought it was well done and everything else. I just It just didn't grab me as much, but I bet it did Gene. Go ahead, Gene. It really did grab me. Um, this is a title resurrected from the 70s, I think, A Crypt of Shadows. And, and yeah, right. it, it goes back to a time when horror was king. Uh, you know, in, in the 50s, that was the thing. Horror was absolutely the biggest thing. And this is very much like a Crypt Keeper-type story with a twist. Uh, I enjoy this very much. What I really liked also is at the end of the book, there is a basic history of horror in comics, and then specifically Marvel comics. Uh, I think that's a it's, it's a great thing to read. It's in, almost indispensable. Um, this is part of Marvel's 80th. They're, they're they're doing books with various genres that are kind of lost to us now, and, and horror is one of them. And man, I would like this book to go on forever, but I know it's just a one shot. I gave it an absolute four. Okay, I'll let that stand. That brings us to the other 80th anniversary book we got this week, and I will say this right up front: Howard Chaykin. I love that man. I, I don't care about all of his foibles and, and everything else. When Howard Shakin wants to do something, he does it well. Uh, War is Hell Week here on Nerd Nation uh, brought us War is Hell, number one, by Howard Shakin, with a backup story by Philip Kennedy Johnson and Alberto Albuquerque. Uh, the, the first story took place during World War II uh, about some pilots and stuff, including a German pilot who was defecting uh, to... Uh, the, the the allies and actually you know he makes a little bit of a mistake and um, on his way to defecting uh, it was a beautiful book as always with Shaken uh, great story with a nice little twist um, it, it could have been it was a little hokey but whatever I'm happy I like war stuff I like war comics and so I really enjoyed this the backup story was pretty decent too uh, set in a more modern setting of, of war and shows that war is hell, and it, it's, a, it's a terrible, horrible thing. Um, very good book. I gave this a book of four. I liked it a lot. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I agree. I think it was absolute terrific. Um, here's, here's one of my main problems. If I had to just, like, score the Howard Jakin story, this might have been another five for me this week. Um, right. The other story I didn't like quite as much. I, I didn't get into it. It didn't, it didn't hold me at all, despite the, the nice art. Um, but as a whole, I give the, the issue a three and a half because again, the Chaykin story was absolutely fantastic. I loved it. Um, it's, it's pure Chaykin too. And I like that a lot. It's neat. Yeah. Uh, and that's it for Marvel. Now we go to everything else. And as this was a small week, we'll kind of move quickly here. There's a few books we'll probably spend a minute or two talking about, but we'll go relatively fast. Archie comics brought us blossoms. 
666, written by Colin Bunn, with art by Laura Braga. Um, basically, the Blossom Twins are Satanists, and they're looking like they're recruiting some of the Archie favorites uh, to either sacrifice or to lead a sacrifice, uh, to give them some sort of power coming up uh, on their birthday or whatever. Um, wow. And Colin Bunn, our, our hero, writing another horror comic for Archie, which is actually really cool. Uh, the art was really good. The story was really good. I like highlighting the color red in the book was, was fun. Um, yes. I, I enjoyed it, but I didn't enjoy it as much as other stuff. So I, I, I wasn't as like hardcore positive on my rating. Gene, you go ahead, though. Okay, um, here's the thing. They've been doing a lot of crazy stuff with, with Archie. You know, Afterlife with Archie started out, and that was wildly successful. So we got Jughead's Hunger, and now we're finally coming full circle as we actually have satanic uh, sacrifices. <laughs> and that's that's pretty amazing to me. Um, I like the book a lot. I like how each of them has to pick someone um, who, again, like Kurt said, maybe for a sacrifice. We don't know exactly. Um, one thing I do know and this is only from reading solicitations. This is not revealed at all in this first issue. But one of the Blossom Twins is the Antichrist, but they're not sure which one. Ah. Okay. So that's the Uber story that we're going to eventually get into, but it's strangely not mentioned at all in this first issue. Um, but it was really solid. I liked it a lot. Um, again, Archie Archie nailed it. I gave it a 3.5. It wasn't perfect, but it, it was fun, and it's a book I look forward to. I think maybe... Maybe Jughead the Hunger is my current favorite Archie book that's ongoing. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. And and uh, yeah, I'll let that that stand. Uh, we go to Boom Studios. Boom Studios brought us Avant Guards number one, uh, written by Carly Erden, with art by Noah Hayes. Uh, at a, I believe an all girls college or just college. Uh, a young woman, she finds a group of misfits who are setting up a basketball team. I believe it's a college. It's like an art college or something. And uh, this this weird group of, well, they're not weird, but this, this odd group of, of girls are setting up a, a, a girls' basketball team. It's fun. It was decent. Um, there wasn't a whole lot going on there. I know this book won't be for everybody, and it wasn't necessarily my cup of tea. I gave it a two, but I, I would recommend it. I would say pick it up. I think this is a good book for... Uh, if, if, if if I had maybe a young preteen daughter instead of sons, I would probably maybe pick this book up for her and hand it off and say, hey, check it out. Uh, heck, my kids might even like this book. I don't know. They're, they're, who cares? Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, be, the art? The art. Like, like, sorry. I'm just, I was just, I don't, I realized I was trying to be like, all like, hey, I'm, I'm a nice guy, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> This book isn't for everyone. It's definitely not for me. Um, the art doesn't really show it, but it feels like an anime, you know, like a manga-type right. story. Um, and, and that's not my thing. I, I don't want to read about a girls' basketball team, but I'm sure there's some people that will. I think if you're a fan yeah. of Lumberjanes, you'll probably be a fan of this book. Yeah, I mean, go for it. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, number one, also came out from Boom!, uh, Jordi Belair wrote it. Dan Mora, the fantastic Dan Mora, who I really like a lot, drew it. Um, we get Willow, Xander, Giles, and Anya shows up in this issue. Uh, this is a complete sort of, I guess, reimagining, revamping, uh, modernizing of Buffy. Um, Gene, I'm curious. I'm not even going to talk about it. Gene, you go ahead. 
Okay, here's the thing. I was worried when I heard about a Buffy reboot. Cause, you know, I don't need to see, like, um, you know, Spike is Scottish now. You know, stupid crap like that. But right. this was this was, was close enough to the real thing while giving us a few new little touches. And I dug that. Um, I like that Anya's coming in earlier. It looks like Willow is going to kind of realize that she is she is, is gay really early instead of, like, three seasons in, uh, which I'm not sure if that means we'll see Oz at all at this point. But it's it's a new beginning, but it's not a strange beginning. If you're a Buffy fan, this is still solid Buffy stuff. Uh, at the end, we get introduced to, I guess, who's going to be the big bad for a little bit. Uh, and that's a new character. It's a new villain. Uh, so I look forward right. to that. I look forward to seeing some of these other characters um, and to see where they are in this universe. I know I've seen pictures of the principal from the later seasons. He looks like a young kid, so I'm not sure what's up with that. Uh, mm-hmm. But I'll, I'll I'll stick with it. I'll watch it. Um, I gave it a three. It's a nice intro. Um, I I'll be looking forward to issue two. Yeah, you? I gave it a, I gave it a three as well. Uh, I thought it, it, it threw me for a minute. Willow is much more um, confident in this in this go round, uh, which yes. I'm fine with. But yeah, it did throw me for a second that Xander's a little more of the he's Xander. He's wacky and everything else. But he was definitely a little more of the. Uh, uh, uncertain about everything, whereas Willow seemed a lot more confident. Um, yeah. I like that the characters do still resemble the actual, you know, the actors who portrayed them, uh, especially Giles looks dead on like Anthony Stewart had. Um, sure. But yeah, it was a good, clean, fun book. It was a good intro. If I, if someone had never seen Buffy, not a hardcore fans like Gene and I are, um, this is something, I guess, you know, it'd be worth checking out. Hopefully they then go watch the series, but uh, I gave it a three as well. I thought it was a good, solid start. It, nothing spectacular, though. Yeah, one, one suggestion, because I know, you know, Joss Whedon's a big fan of Nerd Nation Radio. Um, <laughs> if you're listening, Joss, on this episode, uh, when Buffy ended, um, there was talks of doing a BBC show with um, with Giles called Ripper. Um, right. And, and it, sounded like, it sounded fantastic. How about give us a miniseries? with Ripper in this new reality. I, I'd be down for that. Yeah. Uh, that brings us to Low Road West. I believe the end of that book, Philip Kennedy Johnson wrote it, and Gene's favorite artist, Flaviano, drew it. Flaviano. Um, Flaviano. Uh, I've actually kind of enjoyed this, this miniseries. I thought it was fun. It's uh, sort of set in a post-apocalyptic world, a bunch of kids heading out to the West uh, to live and uh, they get caught up with uh, interdimensional monsters and beings and Mad Max-style bad guys. Um, I, it's crazy. It's a little over the top. There's a lot of stuff going on. The art is good. The story is decent. Characters are good. Uh, I, I recommend people check it out. I give this issue a three. Overall, I'd give the, uh, the entire miniseries a three as well, probably. Yeah. You, you know what I picture? And this is just going off for a second. We have a little bit of extra time. I picture um, when the artist is making this book, he's like he's like on the beach. There's waves everywhere. His big long like hair that goes down to his shoulders is like blowing in the breeze as he paints on an easel. Yes, that, that's that's Flaviano in my mind. Everyone loves Flaviano. <laughs> Flaviano. We have to get him on the show. Flaviano, he shall finish this Micronauts miniseries and make the women swoon. <laughs> Maybe we can get him on the show and it could be Graviano and Flaviano together. Ooh. Meanwhile, I hope, hopefully I didn't just make fun of the guy. He, he, watch him be like a normal dude like us and he's just like, yeah, I like the name Flaviano. I went with it. 
<laughs> He's not listening to you write this. You know, celebrities anyway. will definitely like our show. Uh, that brings us to Dark Horse Comics, uh, Aliens Resistance, number one, written by Brian Wood with art by Robert Carey. Uh, continuing to follow the stories of Amanda Ripley on Earth. Uh, she leaves her, so. Um, I like Brian Wood's stuff. I'm not crazy about everything he does. And his alien stuff has been, in my opinion, disjointed. Uh, this particular issue, it was okay as a start. It's not a good starting point for new readers. You probably want to go read some of his older stuff. Um I gave it a two. Yeah, maybe um, maybe Brian Wood needs to go back and read the 90s Aliens versus Predator stuff because an Aliens thing should be way more interesting than this was. Uh, I didn't care. I'm not a huge Aliens guy, but I love that comic, the Aliens Predator comics and the yeah. Aliens solo stuff from, from Dark Horse from the beginning. Uh, this is not that. This is terribly boring. And I like Brian Wood, so I'm not downing him as a, as a writer. It's just He's not doing a great job on this one. All right, and that brings us to Hellboy BPRD 1956, number three. Mike Mignola and Chris Robertson wrote it. Art was handled by Mike Norton, Mike Avon Oming, and Yashan Lee. Um, this is sort of a, a backstory history BPRD Hellboy stuff. Hellboy barely appears in the here because he's hanging out in Mexico with uh, some luchadors and stuff. Um, it's a fun book. It's okay. This issue in particular, though, was kind of, I don't know, a little slow and a little pacing. A lot of, a lot of as Gene puts it, exposition. I like that word, but I, I don't use it very often. Um, mm-hmm. I gave this issue a two. You know, it needed a little bit of, a little, a little uh, life in it, and it didn't get a lot of it. Yeah. I'll say one thing for, for the Hellboy books and the BPRD books. Um, a lot of people don't see it because a lot of the, um, the Hellboy stuff were, were limited series. But uh, and Mignola isn't involved in all of them uh, on a you know, writing or, or drawing aspect. But this this story's been going on for a long time, and he should be you know congratulated for that. Um, I know we talk about you know Eric Larson doing Dragon for so long, uh, but Mignola's almost you know again he didn't do everything in the book, so it's not the same. But still, he's, he's got to be like applauded for that. Yeah, but he he's and he, yeah he didn't do like a regular book, but he he did handle. I mean, for the longest time, everything was him. You know, like he didn't. Of course, he didn't color yeah. the book and stuff. But yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, that brings yeah. us to light. Oh, that brings us to light step number three by Milos Slava Slavgo Slagovic Slavgovic. I'm assuming. Anyway, this is a good fantasy story. Uh, very kind of weird. But it, it, to me, it seems like a fairy tale fantasy sci-fi adventure, and I like it. Um, aliens, uh, princesses, uh, a captain of a ship who's called Jazzman. Uh, I love the book, and then a, a little alien creature whose name I always forget, who flies around and hangs out with them. Um, man, it, it's a beautiful book. It's a good book. Uh, I think when it's collected in trade, I'll definitely want to... This might be something I pick up because I actually really, really am enjoying it. I gave this issue a three. Um, We'll see how it ends. Well, it was all right. (laughs) Not much to say. (laughs) That brings us to StarCraft Soldiers, number one, written by Jody Hauser and Andrew Robinson with art by Miguel Sepulveda. Uh, yeah, I don't care about StarCraft. I tried to get into this book. Uh, it took two writers to write this. I'm sorry. I gave it a one. <laughs> I don't disagree. 
The Witcher of Flesh and Flame, uh, originally written by Alexander Matiko. Matiko? I forget. Anyway, and Mariana Strachowska did the art. Uh, this is an adaption of a Witcher short story. Um, it's decent. It's fine. But go read the, go read, uh, the short story because uh, this is kind of pacing is a little off on this one. It's a little slow. Um, you can get the whole story read in, in, in a single, like, sitting five minutes. Not five minutes, but an hour. Um, yeah, I gave it a two. Yeah, I'll tell you, I know The Witcher's a thing. Uh, it's just not a thing to me. I don't care. Yeah, you should check it out, though. You might like it. Um, the actual books. The books, not, you know, yeah. not the comics. Uh, sure. Dynamite Comics brings us Kiss, Blood and Stardust, number four, written by Brian Hill, <laughs> with art by Rodney Bushimi. Uh, Kiss has been given powers by Lilith to go fight some vampire David Bowie. I, I don't, it's Kiss. Did I ever tell you that once I had tickets? Uh, floor seats. Oh, boy. <laughs> anyway, I won't tell you that story again. I give this book a one, and that is purely on my revenge. Uh, F you, Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> it, I, I like Kiss, and and I gave it a two. Here's the thing, like I, I tried to be a big fan of the Kiss comics, so I'm like they're making a Kiss comic. I remember liking the Marvel one shot quite a bit. Um, yeah, the one printed in real Kiss blood. But um, yeah. here's the thing, the, the Kiss series, the comic series, bores me so much that I went to Bar- Barnes and Noble like three four years ago, and they had a giant hardcover like um, what do they call it? Um, big collection omnibus Omnibus, thank you i'm forgetting words today uh there's a huge omnibus and it was in the clearance section for like eight dollars and i didn't buy it (laughs) that's that's how that's how much i didn't care yeah i you know what i didn't hate the mcfarlane kiss the the straight up kiss book i didn't hate that 100 percent. i thought that was okay at times but like yeah i don't know I you know ever since they they ever since they blew off my concert to go to to do the super bowl halftime show and then they, they didn't just reschedule the concert. They canceled it. F you. <laughs> Maybe we can get Gene Simmons to come visit you or get him on the show. Oh, I, I don't, I don't, I want nothing to do with him. I want nothing to do with him. Not the only Gene members. Simmons apologize to you? No, the only one I want to meet is Eric Carr. F you. Ah, dude, he's not <laughs> a real member. <laughs> that do mean? Anyway, he's not one of the original four. He's also dead. I know. I I, I live um, in the town he came yeah. from. Let's not alienate any more Kiss fans out there. Uh, yeah, man. I used to be one. I used to be one. Uh, Mars Attacks number four came out from Dynamite Comics this week. Kyle Sparks, um, Chris Schweizer drew it. This has been a fun book, an exceptionally fun book, if you ask me. A father and son, a ger- an old, a retired uh, World War II vet uh, father, who his son has been pushing around in a wheelbarrow to try to save him from the Martians that are attacking Earth. Uh, they they uh, find a guy hiding out in a bunker. Uh, some Martians that they have particularly ticked off, uh, the father has ticked off, finally catch up with them. Um, to, to give full spoiler uh, warning, uh, the father does sacrifice himself for his son uh, in a touching yes. moment, and then the goes pure ape s on the martians and uh we get a little standoff at the end and, and that's going to lead to the finale of this miniseries i'm really enjoying this book it's colorful the art is fun and kind of you know it's very loose and fun uh i liked it a lot gene you know 
at first I was like, ah, I think Mars Attack should be one shots, but I've been uh, finding myself attached to this kid and his dad, especially the dad. And the only note I wrote down was a quote from the book, and I think this is this is iconic as far as I'm concerned, and that is, "Daddy's got work to do." <laughs> just, yeah. Just before he goes and and takes on the Martians, uh, that was terrific. I, I I'm sad to see that 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 part of the story over, but I really liked that this kid who is, was is kind of in his father's eyes at least he's gutless. He finally just loses it at the death by the death of his father, and he does mess up some shit <laughs> excuse my language but he really does uh and i like it uh the thing is you know it, it's very much like a horror movie for me though when uh the father sacrificed himself and then you see the martians coming out of the the little bunker thing mm-hmm. and they show the guy the son and the dog hiding right around the corner and right. my first thought was you stupid kid this father like gave you time to run and you didn't you're right, right. there they're gonna kill you now but that's not what happens. He he takes out most of them. Yeah, he takes fantastic. out most of them with their own with their own weapon, which was fun. It was really fun. I, I gave it a four. Gene, what did you give it? Uh, four. Wow. Good. All right. Circle gets a square. Now we jump down to IDW Comics, GI Joe, Real American Hero, Silent Option Number Three, written by Larry Hama with art by Netho Diaz. Um, this story basically is a little bit of uh, focusing on Helix uh, from, from G.I. Joe. Um, they give a little bit of a backstory on her, which was good. We get the two new Snake Eyes who are hanging out in the G.I. Joe team, whose I believe the other one's name is Touchdown, but for some reason they refer to him still as Snake Eyes at the beginning. Um, right. Here's what did it for me. The Helix stuff, uh, the little bit of a flashback with Helix. I'm not even a big fan of Helix, but doing a little bit of flashback with that character was good. And then, of course, if you want to ingratiate me into any G.I. Joe comic, you include Firefly. And at the end of the book, Firefly <laughs> is leading a team who's going to go take out Helix's parents. Um, I like that a lot. I gave it a three. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, Larry Hammer's another guy. I mean, he doesn't own these characters, but he's he's been on them for years and years. And he continues the quality of his writing. Like He still tells good Joe stories. And to me, that's yeah. absolutely phenomenal. He, he loves this world. He immerses himself into it. For all intents and purposes, in my opinion, Larry Hama owns these characters. I hate to break it to you. I'm with you. I, I'd love for him to, to actually buy them and just like do until he goes. He's someone I really want to meet one day. Uh, he's done some local shows. I just haven't been to those shows. Yeah. What did you give it? I gave it a three. Sweet. That brings us to GoBots, number three, written, drawn, and everything else by Tom Scioli. I respect the hell out of a guy who handles pretty much everything on a book. Uh, I just don't respect it when it's this book. Uh, I wrote down one word for GoBots, number three. The word is no. <laughs> I I've, been, I've, been kind of, I've been kind of on that myself since issue one. I wanted this book to be fantastic, just to throw in the face of our engineer who's a big Transformers fan. Uh, I wanted this book to be like Alan Moore and, and like, like I don't know, John Byrne, but not yeah. so much. Definitely a one. Uh, there were two uh, 2020 one-shots that came out from IDW. I will admit, I, I just wasn't feeling it, so I didn't read either one. Gene, did you read either one of the 2020 one-shots from this week? You know, I, I I feel really bad. I didn't, but I will okay. to catch up. 
the catch up. If more come out next week, I'll read these as well, and we'll. Wait, I'm, how about that? I'm I'm saving myself for the uh, the Star Trek 2020, which is a Stargate oh, story man. by Peter David. Uh, the 2020. Dude, let me tell you. This, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, the 2020s, we did skip this week, and uh, we didn't skip them for any particular reason, though I think secretly maybe we did. Um, Gem and the Holograms and My Little Pony 2020. So, <laughs> sorry. Uh, yeah, I, I honestly, I, I should have, because I know we're trying to cover, like, big event books, but I just I couldn't bring myself to do it. But I'll I'll read those before more come out, I promise. Uh, and by the way, just just so you guys know, in the audience and, and to Curtis Southern, uh the Star Trek one written by Peter David about Picard, uh, it's it's a five right now, just based on those two things. So, <laughs> so you'd have to really make an effort to screw that up. Yeah, it's a Stargazer story too. So yeah, right there, folks, deep dive. It's a five. It, it's also book of the week, and it hasn't even come out yet. Yeah, it hasn't come out yet, but it is book of whatever week it comes out. I don't care what it comes <laughs> out with. There could be a brand new <laughs> Legion of Superheroes comic. That same week, and it's still it's Stargazer takes it, or Star Trek. Yeah, I, I I love comics, but Trek was my first fandom ever. Yeah, uh, that brings us to Road of the Dead, Highway to Hell, by Jonathan oh. Mayberry and Drew Moss. What uh, issue number three? Oh, that's right. Like Highway to Hell, issue number three. <laughs> Um, this book has been up and down. I kind of liked the first issue. I really didn't like the second issue. And then the third issue, I'm back up. I kind of like this third issue. Uh, good characters, good character stuff, a uh, decent amount of action. I gave the book a three. It is pretty much a cliche zombie thing, but some of the characters were fun. This was actually a little bit of a fun issue, if you ask me. Um, I, I would recommend check it out if you're a zombie fan. This is not the worst. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I missed it this week. Slacked on. Uh, also from IDW was Spider King Frostbite, which I believe is a one-shot, uh, written by Josh Van. Two stories are in there. Simone D. Armi did the art on the first, and then Daniel Irizari did the art on the second. Uh, I don't know much about the Spider Bite world. I'm going to have to go look it up now because I actually really like it. Good, fun stuff. It's It's wacky, sort of funky fantasy. And I liked it. I'm, I'm a fan of other books like that. And uh, this was colorful and cool and a lot of action, a lot of stuff going on. I would recommend it. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to deep dive into the Spider King stuff. I gave it a 3.5. Yeah, it seems cool. I, I wasn't that generous with it. I gave it a 2.5. But um, I would read more. Yeah. And that brings us to Star Trek, The Next Generation, Terra Incognita, number six. Gene read this, and I didn't write down the writer or the artist because I didn't read it. I skipped this one, knowing you oh, would do crap. it. Let's see if I did. I I have notes, but I don't have that note. Um, okay. Damn it. We apologize. It's the same people, people who've done the other five. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, we've mentioned them a million times. Um, this is the wrap-up to the series, and, and I'd, I'd have to double-check when we reviewed number five, but it seems to me like it was a long time ago, like months ago. Yeah, yeah. Because I, when I saw six on the on the menu this week, I was like, "Holy crap!" Um, and, I, and I ordered extra with fries. So um, here's the thing: I've liked this book. Um, it, it drifted sometimes, and maybe it seem, seemingly went off track. But the, the cool thing is this: this mirror uh, Barclay, who takes over from the real Barclay's life, his goal isn't to come in and destroy the the, the Federation or to get 
buy information and bring it back to the thing, even though he claims that. He just doesn't want to be in the mirror universe anymore. And the thing is, even I think it's Riker or Picard actually admits to liking this Barkley more than the real one. (laughs) (laughs) But but unfortunately, he does escape back to the mirror universe, and our Barkley is free, and everything's fine and happy again. Um, I'd like this ongoing Star Trek The Next Generation universe that's been, been popping up in these different limited series. I look forward to the next one. I hope we don't have too long to wait. Sweet. What did you get? Yeah, I gave, that's what I'm looking at here. Four. I gave it a solid four. Wow. All right. I should have read it. I read I read the first few. I just I don't know why I dropped off. I'm going to go back and read it as a whole, I think, now that it's done. Yeah, and, and by the way, the series as a whole, I think I would give a four to. Okay. Uh, that brings us now. to Sukabon Turbo, number three, written by Sylvan Runberg with art by Victor Santos. Um, this is sort of a crime story with just a bunch of really disgusting people. I mean, even like the main characters are like a group of um, biker, young teenage girls. Not even really biker, though. They ride bikes. Um, they go out and they just commit crimes. They do bad things. They get caught up with drug runners and stuff like that. I really don't care. I don't like any of the, there's not a character in this book I like or I empathize with. Um, maybe that's how you're supposed to read it. I don't know. I gave it a one. I just really can't get into it. Again, maybe once this series is over, I'll go back and read it as, as a one complete solid story, one sitting, and maybe I'll like it better. But I gave it a one. I can't, I can't do it. Yeah, I honestly didn't read it yet. I might go back and read it, which strangely right. enough, based on your your what you said about it, <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, it was good. How, right, just see how bad it is. Um, watch watch teenage, the train wreck. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number ninety came out by uh, Tom Waltz, with art by Michael Dialinus. Dialinus. Anyway, uh, they hold a funeral for Slash, who died recently. Spoiler alert. Uh, we also get introduced to Metalhead, the metal uh, turtle robot, which is awesome. He shows up, and he looks very cool. And then we get the return of Karai, Shredder's daughter, with a team helping her. Um, this book was full of stuff going on, a whole lot of stuff going on, and I really, really, really enjoyed it. Uh, the funeral stuff was w- well done, well written. This was a bit more of a wordier book than some of the other stuff. Uh, there were there were a lot of tie-ins to the Turtle Macro series that have been going on, uh, of which I didn't read some of them. So uh, I have to go back and check those out. I gave Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles ninety. I gave it a three. I recommend this book. Okay. Yeah, I I did read this book, um, and I think I figured out something. But the first couple of years that Turtles existed, where it was kind of a parody book, and it was fun and it was kick butt. You know, I I kind of like that. And I don't think I've right. liked Turtle since then. Like I don't care anymore. Yeah, I, I think I think this current series done by uh, IDW, especially with mm-hmm. uh, I know Kevin Eastman gets credited with and stuff. And I don't know how much input. I, I never actually give Eastman credit as a writer on the book, but um, right. I think Tom Waltz, all the stuff that he's done, I think has been really fun and fantastic. I've really I've liked all ninety issues of this book, and I've read all cool. ninety issues. I really enjoy it. Nice. Oh, I'm glad you do, and and I don't hate it. I just it doesn't interest me for some reason. Right. Uh, that brings us to Image Comics. We're almost done here. Die, die, die. Number seven, written by Robert Kirkman and Steve, Scott Gimple from Walking Dead fame, with art by Chris Burnham. Um, it's more of the same. It's it's ultra violent. Uh, it's it's got plenty of humor and stuff in there. 
uh, but it's good spy, espionage, violent. What are you doing right now? There's a whole lot of clicking. Really? I'm sitting yeah. here doing nothing. Oh, okay. Uh, there's a whole lot of... Okay. There's a whole lot of uh, spy, espionage, violent action that goes on there. Um, it's it's like over the top. It's like a Mark Millar story. I, if you like that kind of thing, you might enjoy this book. A lot of sex and violence. Uh, I'm not always into that. Sometimes I like it. Sometimes I don't. I give this issue a two. I'm hoping that this thing wraps up or, or just gets a little better maybe coming up. Yeah, if the sex and violence goes somewhere, cool. But I'm not sure that's the case with this book. I gave it a two. I didn't really care. Yeah. And that brings us to Exer Sisters, number four, written by Ian Boothby with art by Giselle Legace. Um, I'm not digging this book. I, I tried. I'm still trying. I'm, I'm reading every issue. Uh, but I really can't get into it. It's, it's supernatural stuff. I, I know it's a little tongue-in-cheek. There's a little bit of funny there. Um, but it's just not my thing. It just seems very blah. Even some, even the art in some ways is very just like empty and blah at times. Uh, I gave sure. it a one. Yeah, it wasn't anything special. Uh, and that brings us to Oliver, number one, written by Gary Witta, with art by the fantastic, the the incredible talented, and, and someone I forgot about and I really regret forgetting about, Mr. Derek Robertson, uh, doing the art. Oh, wow. Uh, a post-apocalyptic world uh, uh, of England. This young kid is born, this child is born amongst these uh, guys who are all essentially clones uh, who had fought like this last nuclear war um, and have been outcast. And this young kid is something special. Uh, he maybe is not even 100% human. Uh, he grows up living amongst them. He kind of is a, a scamp, gets into trouble a little bit here and there. But um, yeah, there's something special. There's a mystery to it. Uh, and Derek Robertson's art makes it all the much better. I gave it a three. I'm curious to see where it goes. The first issue gives you a little bit, a little nugget, but not much. Hopefully soon we'll see the Naomi Oliver crossover. There's, you know, a <laughs> bunch of books with just the first names of people. Yeah. Maybe one could be called and Bill. Bill. Who's, who's, uh, yeah. And then Bob, Joker's, uh, henchman. <laughs> My number one guy. Uh, that that brings us to Outcast number thirty-eight, written by Robert Kirkman, with art by Paul as a as a as a Seda. I'm not sure. Uh, I think this is Kirkman's real sleeper masterpiece. I'm a big fan of Outcast. I really like this book a lot. I think the art is gorgeous and beautiful and fits this book 110 percent, much like uh, Charlie Adler over there in a Walking Dead world. Um, but I think this is the book that people maybe should be reading. Uh, just as much. Uh, I, I know that um, the other book that Kirkman puts out, that the name I, uh, Oblivion Song, is decent, but I think Outcast is the one that uh, it really gets me, even maybe more so than Walking Dead sometimes. I really enjoyed this book, all about exorcism and demons and devils. Um, I gave this issue a three. I enjoy it every single issue. I enjoy this book. I've I read the last couple by your recommendation. I, I really need to go back to understand yeah. it a little better, I think. 100%. And I'm going to tell you right now, you go back and read it from, from number one, I will guarantee you, you will like this book. Hmm. I shall do so. I will promise you. I promise you will like this book. Uh, that brings us to Valiant Comics, Livewire number two, written by Vita A A I Ayala, I think, with art by Raul Allen. 
Um, Livewire, who they're really pushing right now currently in Valiant Comics. I like her. She's fine. Uh, she's a, what do you call them over there? The um, Harbingers, the, the Psyosts. That's what she is. Right, right. Um, she was the focal point of the last big, uh, like, uh, Valiant Universe crossover that came up. She took on basically the entire government, the entire world almost. Uh, I like it a lot, trying to protect all the Psyost uh, kids and stuff in that world. Um, so she's doing stuff. She's treated as a terrorist. Basically, it's a, it's an X-Men book. She's a mutant. They're after her. They're trying to stop her. She's trying to help people. Uh, it's okay, but I still gave it a two. This issue is a two. The first issue was a two. Um, it just doesn't it doesn't grab me as much. The Valiant Psyost characters. I'm glad to hear you say that because I, I read it and I, I thought to myself, maybe I'm reading too many books because it just struck me as more of the same that I've seen right. from Next Men to, jeez, um, I don't know, just just a million books with the yeah. same basic story. Right. And that brings us to our last book and a book I love, Exo Man of War, number 23, written by Matt Kent with art by Thomas Giarello. Uh, sort of getting back to your your mainstream Exoman War type story, a group of bounty hunter mercenaries called the Processors. Uh, they take over the body of one of those giant like celestial robot beings in the in the Valiant universe. I forget the name of the characters, uh, but they come after Exo, and uh, they have they seem to be able to even take him down. They they seem to be able to to negate his armor and stuff like that. I like it. I'm interested in just a good straight up Exoman War story because the last one didn't do it for me. Um, and some of the stuff before that was kind of slow. I give this issue a three. I think you should check it out. The art's good. The story's good. I'm a big fan of the character and stuff. There you go. Yeah, Exo, uh, Exo never fails to uh, get my attention. It's, it's a fun book. It's a fun book, and I, I would highly recommend, I push you, if you're a fan of any of this current Valiant stuff, go read the older stuff. Uh, I, oh, I, yeah, I can't, absolutely. I, I, I cannot express that emotion enough. Um, and this is something Gene and I talk about a lot with uh, newer readers and stuff like that, people coming into comics nowadays, now that comics is booming and it's uh, a big deal and, and much more mainstream than it ever was before. Uh, if, if you like any of the Valiant stuff that you're reading now, go do yourself a favor. Read the original stuff that came out. Uh, read Exo. Read Archer and Armstrong. Read Eternal Warrior. Fantastically good stuff. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think we're just reading the new stuff. It's kind of like walking by the river and seeing like a chunk of gold laying on the ground, and you pick it up because it's, it's gold. You know, it's going to be good stuff. But you don't dig around for more, and dig around exactly. for more gives you a lot of gold, and that's the old valiant stuff, I think. Yeah, and there you go. That's we've got issues volume two, number four, for this week. What's on your poll list? That's it. Um, usually we would talk about stuff, but I don't have a list in front of me of what comes out this week, uh, or, or next week. Um, but we'll be here. We'll be here next week. Hopefully we'll be here a little earlier in the week. Uh, hopefully no, none of us get jury duty or anything coming up, uh, quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be here we'll, with more books to review. Hopefully it'll be a, a relatively small week since it is a fifth week. And, uh, I guess that's it. Gene, you got anything else? Uh, not really. We have a regular show coming up on Friday, of course. Top five Tuesdays, as always. Um, what do you know, Kurt? What the top five Tuesday is for this week? Uh, this coming Tuesday's show is top five assault vehicles, fictional assault vehicles. Oh, that was a fun and one. 
in which we argue about what the very definition of an assault vehicle is. That's the majority of the entire show. Yeah. <laughs> and once again, one of us has a very strange definition of what an assault once vehicle a, is. Once again, one of us whines through the entire show. I won't say who it is, except he's not here to defend himself right now. It is artist Flaviano. That's who it is. <laughs> Flaviano. Flaviano, call us once you're done wooing all the women on the Mediterranean. <laughs> He's going to kill us one day at a con. He's going to see our Nerd Nation shirts and just punch us in the face. Yeah, just walk over and hopefully it's you. He'll punch you like that duck uh, or flew in front of Fabiano's face or Fabio's face on the uh, when he rode the roller coaster. <laughs> I like the, the Fabio Flaviano connection. Well, that's what we're kind of insinuating, I think. Yes, yes. Anyway, uh, and then on top of that, coming up, we have the week before Valentine's Day, we have Love Stinks Week, in which we will have a full selection of specials, usually top fives, uh, talking about just how much love stinks and how horrible it is. Yes, guys, (laughs) love stinks, followed followed by Valentine's Week. By Valentine's Week, where we we will love love. We will embrace love, and we will talk about the positivities of love, as well as possibly having a, a, two special episodes, um, a top five involving our significant others, uh, Jack Graziano, who is one of those, and then Gene's significant <laughs> other in real life and mine as well. And then uh, they will do a top five. And then we are doing possibly a game show coming up. I shouldn't say that because we haven't actually nailed it down yet, but whatever, we're going to try. Yeah, we're hoping. And, and this week, this Friday show, uh, Kurt, this is a surprise. I haven't, I haven't told you I've confirmed this. We will be talking to Dan Bodenstein about his very successful Buck Buccaneer Kickstarter. Yes, sponsor of our show. Should we play that? Is that still going on or no? <laughs> yeah, it's got, I believe, as of today, it's got seven days left. So let's, let's roll that tape. Sir. All right, I'm going to roll this, and then we're out of here, folks, okay? The Legend of Buck Buccaneer, now on Kickstarter. The Legend of Buck Buccaneer started out as an idea formulated by two lifelong friends, Dan Bodenstein and Ron Rebron. Their original idea had Buck as a character in a comic book, but over several years the idea expanded into a full-fledged adventure novel, now available on Kickstarter. This young adult novel about Buck Buccaneer, a simple swashbuckler. He has a thirst for adventure and he is tossed into a world of piracy. His present mixes with his past, as he is driven to find answers to who he really is. Fascinated by the folklore and legends of the notorious pirate, Captain Lucky Longfeather, Buck hatches up plans. Together with his first mate, Mr. Egg, and his burly quartermaster, Chumley, Buck sets out to find a crew to undertake a quest to solve a long-standing mystery of the Caribbean. Encouraging children to read has been a goal for Dan and Ron. Instead of stretch goals, they've decided to donate books. For every $100 pledged, they've d- donated a book to the Little Free Library. The Little Free Library is a nonprofit organization that provides free books to people throughout the use of local little libraries. For additional information, follow The Legend of Buck Buccaneer on Facebook and look for them on Kickstarter. Thanks for listening. Visit us online at nerdnationradio.com. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Grindr at Nerd Nation Radio. So until next time, tune in, nerd out.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.